United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. A dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Cross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Cross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects Okay, hey, hi. Hi. I was, I got caught, I had something that I was going to say and then I got caught up in Cora's breathing and then I couldn't. Is it loud? Should I put, put her in the out. bedroom? No, leave it. Leave her here. Um, I will say though, what I was going to say is that I had my Fitbit po- watch pop up and it said I only have five steps left to go to my goal. And I was like, I can do that. But if it would have said like I have 25 steps towards my goal, I wouldn't have done it. And um, I think that's why I am the way where that you I are. am. Yeah, yeah, just not the way that I am, because that is the way I am, but why I am where I am. Because yeah. most of my goals are easily obtainable, but they are just 20 steps too far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Chelsea, and all of her goals are just 20 steps yep. too far. Um, hey, what's up? My name is Noelle, and... Um, I got back home from vacation and my dad did that thing where he forgets that I haven't eaten meat for like 20 years mm-hmm. and is like, I left some pizza uh, in the fridge for you. Uh, forgot you don't eat meat or cheese, but I guess you could just like pick that all off, right? The age old just pick <laughs> it off. Like someone will make like a chicken soup and they're like, just pick it out. Make yeah. it saturated in there now. Yeah, it's cooked inside. Yeah, the main ingredient is the meat and cheese. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's me. Hi, what's up? I'm Noel. I love that. Um, my dad, every time, you're allowed to eat eggs. You eat eggs, right? Every every time. Um, it's like, that's mostly my dad's question. For me. It's, it reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen those videos where um, girls will like be recording, talking to their dad, and they show a picture, and they start talking about this friend that they had growing up, and the dad's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I remember him. And then they show the phone, and it's like Lindsay Lohan. And they're just, like, reciting uh, stories from, like, you know, mean girls or whatever. I have to try that with my dad. He remembers basically one friend, and it's my friend Tabitha. Um, And she does support the podcast, so hi, Tabs. Shout out. Uh, He only fucking remembers Tabitha. Like, I... Without context, he only remembers Tabitha. Uh, He'll remember my other friends with context. If I'm like, hey, me and Noelle, and he'll kind of give me that look, and I'm like, podcast noel she did the brain cosplay thing he goes oh yeah 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 or um yeah, yeah. Be like ichabod did roller derby mm-hmm. he has the cats my dad's like yeah 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 that's that's my dad but i'm yes to get the hits yeah i'm curious i'm gonna show my dad a picture of christina ricci and see if he thinks it's you um, because she's also an alternative girl with bangs. You can't, you can't be like, you can't try to confuse them. You got to go left field. You've got to pick out a picture of Paris Hilton and okay. then like recite a story that's from like a movie and pretend like it's your life and then may- see okay. if he bites. So okay, let me know about that. I'll um, say one of my friends said that they saw you at Walmart. Did you see her? She said yeah. she waved, and then I'll just send him a picture of Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah, please, please. I'll do it right now. Holy shit. Um, so anyway, um, we're jumping on the true crime train today. A little bit of true crime and a little bit of music. I feel like this is appropriate after coming back from a music festival where I was fighting yeah. for my life every day. Yeah, I was actually, I don't even know how I knew about this. I think I heard about it 
not in conspiracy news. I think I just tripped on it one day, like a crack in the sidewalk. Um, there actually is a piece of conspiracy that goes in with this. Oh. I didn't write it in here, so remind me to bring it up towards the end. But I actually didn't really know anything about this at all. Um, if I'm being completely transparent, I thought that Dimebag Daryl of Pantera died of like an overdose or something. Mm-hmm. I thought it was something kind of 80s metal, not not true crime. I was a little... Uh, I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Really? This happened? Mm-hmm. And also a little kind of like, I don't know. It feels like something that would be in the zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we don't talk about it a lot. So I figured let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. I I think my first thing was an interview with this old lady, which I feel like is the only appropriate term. If you look, if you look at her, she would be his old lady. That's true. Um, because, And I think that's how she described herself. Was just like, yeah, they got him. <laughs> I think that was like my first introduction. Um, but I don't know. I, I I know no details and I know no conspiracy. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about Pantera today. Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to first start off with the Abbott brothers. The Abbott brothers were the sons of Jerry Abbott, a country music producer. But you may know these brothers as Vinnie Paul and Daryl Lance. I don't know. They're- I don't know that. Are they in Pantera? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> the drummer and okay. the guitarist, Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul. Okay. Um, their parents divorced after 17 years of marriage, but remained super civil. The boys lived with their mom, Carolyn, and received nothing but support in their musical endeavors from both parents. Before he could even play an instrument, Daryl, remember Dimebag Daryl? Mm-hmm. I call him Daryl this because we're acquaintances now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we know him. <laughs> Um, before he could even play an instrument, Daryl would be seen reenacting live performances in his bedroom mirror with Kiss lead guitarist Ace the Spaceman's iconic makeup Dude, on. Dude, Ace was my favorite too. He's my the man. Was, yeah, my sister is super into Kiss. Dude, who who wasn't? I you still am. I still am for sure. Dude, I love um, the glamour of Kiss, and I think they're great. Me as well. We'll forget about their. Um, Disco phase. That doesn't, we don't need to fucking talk about that today. I still kind of liked it, honestly. That's okay. You were in the <laughs> desert for a while, so we're going to let you adjust things. So. I appreciate it. Daryl's 12th birthday would be a milestone for the brothers as he received a Les Paul style honer along with a pig nose amp and never put it down from that day forward. His older brother, Vinny, had been playing the drums for a few years prior to his younger brother picking up an instrument. Daryl had attempted to play the drums with his brother, but Vinny said, quote, I just got better than him and wouldn't let him play them anymore. <laughs> That's brother thing. You <laughs> suck, so you're banned. You, Learn you, something you else. suck, so stop. The boys were also... Oh, how could I forget this part? The boy's dad, Jerry, would learn Kiss songs on guitar and teach Daryl how to play them. Um, I can't stress enough how, like, Daryl specifically was, like, fucking obsessed with Kiss and, like, truly the reason why he picked up an instrument in the first place. I also love the idea of, like, his dad. Like, uh, you never hear stories about musicians whose parents fully fucking supported them. Like, it's always, like, you know... A Johnny yeah. Cash and a boy named Sue. Like, yeah. my dad made fun of me, and that's why I do this. You know what I mean? Or it's like, or it's some like shitty Britney Spears, like child slave labor. 
Like this, this is just wholesome and sweet. Wholesome, wholesome. His dad learned songs, came home to teach him, not because he wanted him to become some big rock star, because he loved his son. He knew his son loved Kiss, and he wanted to have this bonding moment with him. I just yeah. it's so fucking precious to me. That is sweet. I, it's impressive too that the dad was learning the songs to. Specifically yeah, well, the dad was a really famous them. music producer for country oh. music. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said that. It's less so. impressive then. Yeah, I mean, still cute. <laughs> the boys were also able to tap into some of their dad's connections, rolling into the studio with him from time to time, snagging lessons from country musicians like Bugs Henderson. The first cohesive jam session consisted, like the brothers, their first cohesive jam session consisted of six hours nonstop of playing Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. I think that's a. I think that's the first. My sister dated a dude, and he taught me how to play the opening to that, which isn't impressive. So it's just like, dun, dun. it's very simple. I think, um, like the first two chords. But but it's just like every typical jam session. Yeah, right? I'm really resonating with this story. Am I gonna get? Am I gonna get murdered? Your heart is God, gonna I hurt. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fuck. Vinny would later note that the moment they began playing music together, the two were beyond inseparable. That's sweet. And also I, sad knowing how it ends. Ugh. Yeah. Also, like, I truly can't, like, I, I 100%, these two, you know how siblings, especially in celebrity or in music, there's always some sort of riff that happens. Mm-hmm. Never these two. Thick as thieves. Thick it's, as thieves. It's also weird, too, because I think you can relate that sometimes you see siblings who are, like, fucking joined at the hip, BFFs. I didn't have that relationship with my sisters. Like, I had a a, a good relationship with my sisters, but we, I once hung, hung out with a girl who saw her sister and they held hands at Lagoon. And I thought that was weird. <laughs> that is weird. Um, but they were just like holding best hands friends. with your sibling. They were man. fucking skipping. Like they were on the yellow brick road, man, just yeah. holding hands. Like they so enjoyed each other's company. And I remember like, that's fucking weird to me. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. I, I think there's like a level of like just loving your siblings, but then there's like, when they shared such a deep love and appreciation mm-hmm. of music and not just music in general, but playing it with each other and yeah. playing off of each other that I think it just like catapulted them into this like other level of almost that twin thing where people, they talk without talking, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely get that vibes from the both of them and nothing in the history would say anything different. Um at age 14, Daryl entered a guitar contest at the Agora Ballroom in Dallas. Being too young to technically compete, his mom had to sign waivers and join him during the competition. Despite being the youngest to ever compete, he absolutely dominated and won the entire competition. Before his 16th birthday, Daryl would go on to win so many local guitar contests that he was asked to no longer compete but help judge so that others could have the chance to win. Imagine getting absolutely dog-walked by someone, <laughs> by Dimebag Daryl is a by child. By 14-year-old Dimebag Daryl. So bad that they yeah. don't let him compete anymore, but mm-hmm. he turns around and just judges you. Like, yeah. Hey man, just keep practicing, and in a couple of years you'll get it. And you're looking at this kid who just hit puberty last week. Oh. <laughs> also, <laughs> how precious! Like his just southern, southern belle of a mom, mm-hmm. bringing her child to a guitar contest. Just like, oh yeah, let me sign the waivers. Like, go on, honey. Like, I just, it's 
so many levels of precious and wholesome and genuine good family upbringings for these two boys. I yeah. I absolutely love it for them. It's cute. Fucking adorable, man. So let's talk about Pantera because Pantera is just as young and old as these kids. Um, Pantera formed in Arlington, Texas in 1981. Vinny was asked to join a band alongside his high school classmate, Terry Glaze, who would then play guitar, Tommy Bradford bass, and Donnie Hart vocals. Vinny accepted the invitation, but on the condition that his younger brother, Daryl, would also join. Yeah, his mom said that he had to bring him. (laughs) (laughs) Terry Glaze later recalled that they were unsure about this request as Daryl was, quote, not very good. Bruh. Well, at this time, he wasn't that good. Okay. Um, Two years their junior, and quote, was a little skinny, scrawny dude. (laughs) But they, which is funny when you look at Dimebag later. Yeah. (laughs) But they ultimately agreed. The band was originally named Gemini. It's terrible. I kind of like Gemini. I fucking hate it, and I hate what they're well, what they also call themselves later. Well, this is the problem. Is like we're going to talk about it in a second, but uh, like Pantera was going to be glam metal. They were going to be like high pitched voice men in makeup. So Gemini fucking hits, baby. That hits. I get, for that. Yeah, that does. It wouldn't have worked for what Pantera became. Became, but in the beginning, don't get it twisted. It fucking clicked. I'm a little twisted. Well, that's get onto it. I'm a curly pasta. They also, they also chose Eternity. <laughs> that too. It reminds me of the Swan Princess, the theme song Eternity. Um, <laughs> that's what that that's, reminds me of. That's all yeah. I hear whenever someone says Eternity just by itself. Still ethereal and beautiful, though. Um, but... They eventually settled on, as we all know them, Pantera. Um, just a little fun fact here. In 1989, so like what, eight years later, Daryl would make a similar request, like the one that his brother made for him. Dave Mustaine asked him to join a little band called Megadeth. Um, Dave had already recruited drummer Nick Menza and wanted Daryl but would not bring on Vinny, Daryl's brother, as drums had already been filled. And because of this, Daryl stayed with Pantera. Aww. Isn't that fun? I don't know if I know that kind of loyalty in my life. Right? Also Megadeth, but also Pantera. It's yeah. tough. Oh, fuck. Can you hear that? I'm getting yeah, a call. That? My sister, I think. I think I got caught trying to trick my dad. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. I wish he would have just texted you back rather than have he your said, sister call. No, he said cute, but nope. And then he said, you suck. And my sister immediately called me. So I think he showed <laughs> my sister to ask her and she fucking tattletailed. And she was like, that's fair. God, tell her to not be a snitch. Tell her no, not look, be a snitch. I found the best photo, too. I said, I got it on Facebook. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. in a pink tracksuit holding a chihuahua. Classic. Oh, shit. Tell your sister not be a fucking snitch. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, reversing back in time. By 1982, Donnie Hart, the original vocalist, left the band and was replaced by Terry Glaze, the former guitar, on vocals, while new member Rex Brown took Tommy Bradford's place as bassist. So just a little, everyone kind of did a little swoop, switchy-do. 
Um, Daryl originally shared lead guitar with Terry Glaze, but soon took permanent status as lead guitar. Glaze said Daryl just morphed over a six-month period. When he came out, he could play like Eruption and Crazy Train. So Daryl went from like being that scrawny little brother who could play like three chords to absolutely shredding in six months. So that's insane. Bit of a child prodigy, if you will. Daryl adopted the stage name Diamond Daryl in reference to the Kiss song Black Diamond and to give a nod to the glam metal inspo they wanted to take. That's cute. I like that. I do like, you know, Diamond Daryl. It's cute. Reminds me of Diamond Dallas Page. Also cute. Diamond Daryl is cute, but Dimebag Daryl is where it's at. Yeah. Pantera originally headed out into the world expecting to find themselves in the hair or glam metal genre following the likes of Kiss, Van Halen, and Judas Priest, and quickly became an underground favorite. Despite this, their glam rock era never really took them beyond Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. The band began supporting fellow heavy glam metal acts such as Striper, Dokken, and Quiet Riot. Pantera released their first studio album, Metal Magic, in 1983, when Daryl was just 16. It's insane. Telling you, child prodigy. Metal Magic was released on the band's independent record label that they created and formed, of the same name, Metal Magic, and was produced by Daryl and Vinny's brother, or Daryl and Vinny's father, Jerry Abbott. So another shout out to most supportive dad in the world award. Seriously. And country music. He's like, yeah, I could do metal. Yeah. But glam metal. It's. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know. In 1984, Pantera released their second studio album, Projects in the Jungle. Although still very much a glam metal album, the band members crafted songs that had less overbearing melodic influences than songs from the previous album. Another change was Terry Glaze's name, as he was henceforth credited as Terrence Lee. In addition, a music video for the album's lead track, All Over Tonight, was eventually created. Dude, Terrence Lee sounds like the first name, and Terry Glaze sounds like it should be the metal name. That's backwards. Also, like, Glaze? You're going to get rid of Glaze? That's a cool-ass name. That's the best kind of donut, man. That's what I'm saying. Projects in the Jungle was also released on the band's independent Metal Magic Records label and produced by none other than the boy's dad, Jerry Abbott. In 1985, Pantera released their third studio album titled I Am The Night. As as with Projects in the Jungle album before, this album saw Pantera's sound becoming heavier, although still rooted in glam metal, and the heavy metal press took more notice of the band because of this. But because of poor distribution, I Am The Night turned out to be a costly album to many fans. Around 25,000 copies of the album were sold. Pantera's second music video was produced for the track Hot and Heavy. In 1986, this would be a turning point for the band and a defining moment for a new genre. I also want to say here that I'm not sure if I mention it, but all these previous albums up until the one that came out in 1990 that I'll talk about in a second, the band, their their glam rock, the band got rid of them. They're almost impossible to find. Um, Very hard to find. They, like, no longer took credit for them. Oh, that's a bummer. Keep that in mind. Embrace it. I mean, it's... uh, I'll say say it in a second. (laughs) But you can't have... I'll, I'll say it. You can't have Panteras without the predecessors of, you know, you gotta respect your roots a little bit. A little bit. I agree, but when you become like a genre-defying, um, yeah, like 
you know, it's, it's fine. So, <laughs> um, the years 1986 and 1987 saw the release of several landmark thrash metal albums that would prove influential to Pantera's developing music style. Among the most prominent of these were Metallica's Master of Puppets, Slayer's Reign of Rain and Blood, Anthrax's Among the Living, and Megadeth's Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? Original vocalist Jerry Glaze's glam metal approach didn't fit the band's developing style, and he and the other members parted ways. Oh, so After he, f- was, he was the... He was the... He was the he, hairspray of the group, we'll say. He was absolutely okay. there. He was the hairspray and lipstick of the group, and they were like, we can't right. do it. After a few trial runs and fails, 18-year-old NOLA native Phil... And Slemo, I can't, I'll never. Um, heard Pantera was looking for a new singer, tried out, and was hired on the spot. When Phil joined the band, he would bring his mixtapes with him and play bands like Slayer and Rigor Mortis to the other members. Together, this new version of Pantera would release 1988's Power Metal. Power Metal, like the three previous albums, was released by their indie record label that they made themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> metal magic records but came with a change in their sound by far the band's heaviest shit at this point phil's vocals had more grit to them the music was becoming less glam and more thrash at a band meeting Vinny said in reference to the band's spandex appearance quote these magic clothes don't play music we do. Let's just go out there and be comfortable. Jeans, t-shirt, whatever, and see where it goes. What a fucking powerful moment, too. It's just like in Space Jam. It's like, it wasn't magic juice. It was water. Magic was in you all along. That's what they found out. It's not It's true. It, absolutely, it was never the spandex. It was never the glitter. It was never the lipstick and the face paint, baby. It was always you guys. Yeah. Hell yeah. The band would later drop their independent releases, like I mentioned before, including Power Metal, as the dawn of Pantera as we know them formed. We can say that Power Metal was the test drive to what Pantera would carve out as groove metal with their iconic, genre-defining, major label debut in 1990 with Cowboys from Hell. And I think this is the album that most people know Pantera for. Mm -hmm. Um... And the band would go on to put out Vulgar Display of Power in 92, Far Beyond Driven in 94, The Great Southern Trend Kill in 96, Official Live 101 Proof in 97, Reinventing the Steel in 2000, with worldwide tours, Billboard Hot 100s, Grammy nomination, a guest spot on an episode of SpongeBob. Cute. It's so cute. And of course, a lead singer struggle with addiction. The band would eventually break up in 2003. The breakup, like most, was fucking messy. The band was forced on hiatus after the attacks on 9-11. That's weird. I didn't think that you would have ended that they had a messy breakup with struggles of addiction and tie it into 9-11. You really got me on that one. (laughs) Well... The addiction was um, the lead singer, so it's yeah. not really the brothers. No, I don't really want to talk about him too much. Right. Um, he had back problems and like even wrote songs. Like there's a song called "I'm Broken," and it's literally just a song about him having chronic back problems. And his opiate addiction 
from the back problems then turned into obviously a heroin addiction. He had an overdose in 94 uh, after the third album. Um, after like their major label albums, not including the ones that they did independently, um, where he was like brought back with Narcane, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of that like, I don't want to say typical, but a typical 80s metal band shit. Um, but yeah. my story isn't about the lead singer. It's no, about it's about 911. Oh, and 911. <laughs> um, well, 911 actually ties into why or the reasoning behind the breakup of the band a few times. Um, so they, they were essentially like they were on edge, right? In 2001, Mm -hmm. right before the attacks happened, they were already on edge of like staying together. And when the attacks happened, they were stranded in Dublin for weeks because no flights were coming back to the U S and they had to all like be stuck with each other for the first time, really without doing without playing shows without having to go like literally when i say forced together i mean like they're stuck in a room together in a country that they don't they're not from they they were not it was not a good time um yeah i don't want to like shit on anyone's trauma but you were like in ireland dudes probably wasn't that bad but um if but if you're like already but if you hate them yeah actually you can kind of relate to this i'm gonna keep it as vague as possible but when you're (laughs) on a trip with someone you don't like it becomes fucking terrible i was i was 24 hours in that situation and i was ready to call it quits i couldn't imagine being stuck in there for weeks yeah while a national terrorist attack is happening and because your partner is listening to this i just want to let let him know. I'm speaking directly to him now. We're not talking about Coachella. Yeah, he knows <laughs> so. it's not about him. He knows <laughs> who we're talking about. Um, so they played their last show in Yokohama, Japan, at the Beast Feast Festival on August 28th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and like literally, that was the last time Pantera was together. The band planned to release its fourth home video in summer of 2002 and record another studio album later later that year, but neither came about. Phil, the lead singer, was finding himself on multiple side projects and other bands. Vinnie Paul claimed that Phil told him that he would take a year off following the events of September 11th. Still gooped about September 11th affecting the band this hard. Dude, so many... You know that the only reason why My Chemical Romance is even in existence is because Gerard Way was so fucked up about 9-11 that he created My Chem to write songs about like being depressed because of it? Dude, No. What? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I have not heard yeah. that. So um, yeah, literally, I, this is crazy to say. Without nine eleven, there would be no My Chemical Romance, and I'm saying that for real. I bet I could make like a similar draw. Like I bet I could say like without nine eleven, like my family would be intact. I could make that draw if I really wanted to go for a stretch. Um, maybe I mean, I was, but no, th- yeah. these are words from Gerard Way's mouth himself. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I'm just surprised. I don't want to say that 9-11 wasn't traumatizing to these poor people <laughs> because I too was alive during 9-11. Yeah. Um, I just wonder, I'm just surprised. I'm surprised. I, I think you should think about it more of like these guys were traveling and on planes a lot and they didn't feel comfortable getting on a plane right after that 9-11. I am fucking empathize with, even to this I think, day. Yeah, I think that's what you, it's peace and love. I don't think... Um, you know, Phil was like, 
I'm so affected by the war in Afghanistan now okay. that I can't play music. I think he was like, I'm fucking scared shitless to get on a fucking plane. Yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> but despite this, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> Phil's touring and recording output for his two other bands, Super Joint Ritual and Down, contradicted this. Phil, you fuck. That's Don't blame saying. 9-11. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying, Phil. Phil, God. you blame 9-11. And it was never 9-11. It was always you. God. I'm going to blame Phil from now on. Yeah, we should. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> Phil. Phil is my 9-11, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it all. Comes he was back. going through it right now, though, wasn't he? Struggling with a heroin addiction. Maybe we shouldn't laugh at him too hard. They all were. Still, don't blame nine eleven, Phil. God. Yeah, Phil. Fucking Phil. Blame <laughs> my heroin addiction on Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Just nine eleven. I'm so stupid. He, he blames his heroin addiction on nine eleven, and they were like, "You've been addicted to heroin for ten years, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Phil, you're lying to yourself." He's man. like, "But I felt it. I knew it was gonna happen." <laughs> Um, so anyway, the Abbott brothers were frustrated, naturally, mm-hmm. but they held out for a period of time. Assuming yeah, they know that what loyalty Phil, is. Yeah, they do. They assumed that Phil would return. Um, <laughs> From the rubble of 9-11, Phil would just pop out. Like a little weed. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. It would be one thing if Phil was like, I'm going to ground zero. I'm going to help with the rescue efforts. But, you know, Phil was like locked up oh. in his penthouse in L.A. And he was like, I scared you. Get all He wasn't even in America when 9-11 happened. Like, <coughs> you are not the target at that point, Phil. He fucking like he Philip. Was. He's a fucking nerd. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, according to Phil, once again, a liar, taking a break from Pantera was, quote, a mutual thing between each of the band members. Surprise, it was not. The Abbott brothers officially disbanded Pantera in November of 2003. They concluded that Phil had abandoned them and would not return. That is fucking Phil. That is so heartbreaking. I know. They literally were like waiting. They were just like making riffs, writing lyrics. Like, Phil will come around, man. He said he would. He fucking said he would. He said 9 11 scared him, though. So what the fuck is Phil up to? Oh, my God. He's still going. Yeah, unfortunately. And guess who's not? The Abbott brothers. So I'm, a, Phil is my 9-11. He's the owner of Housecore Records. Who's fucking signed to Housecore Records because they're dead to me too? <laughs> no one I've heard of. Good. Makes me feel better. Good. I hope he makes $5 a month. <laughs> God, I hope so. The end of the band started a war of words between the former bandmates, a.k.a. the Abbott brothers, versus Phil via the press. <laughs> There was some stuff in here that I chose to leave out um, because it was all, um, it's like not cute. Um, Phil went on a metal magazine, said some bullshit about Dimebag, specifically that someone needs to like beat the fucking shit out of him, like like beat him to death. Um, and conspiracy theorists would later use this article as reason as to why things happened later on. Um, but Vinny, Daryl's brother, um, came out later after being given the recording of the mm-hmm. interview. 
because Phil was like, this was, and they used this like shitty fucking quote as like the cover quote of the magazine. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? And, you know, Phil was like, dude, like I didn't fucking say this, this is so out of context, like blah, blah, blah. Um, but everyone was like, bro, Phil, you blamed 9 11 for why Pantera broke up, even though it was just you. So no one believes you. I don't fucking um, like Phil, man. I, I know. Feel like we need to put out merch. Against Phil. Fuck Phil. Phil. Stupid fuck. Fuck I Phil. I agree. Succinct and we'll just have his face on it. But instead of eyes, it will be anuses. <laughs> but the Twin Towers are. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Just oh. end up in the back, like, don't blame 9-11. Blame yeah. heroin. Yeah, exactly. No context. It's just a wildly <laughs> offensive shirt. No matter who <laughs> it looks so at it. It's so wildly though. offensive. Oh my god. Oh my god. I feel like putting the twin towers on things is like <laughs> it to the level. Have you fucking seen that guy on TikTok who is um he has I need you to pick up the context clues I'm about to say right now. Okay. He has an obsession and collection with knitted sweaters. I don't know do you who that un- is. do you understand the type of person who might have yeah. a t- an obsession like this? Maybe they also yeah. have an obsession with trains. Do you okay. see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Or like they know every state capital and and president. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? The type of person. I say they have. They have a. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a disability because I think it makes them gifted in some ways. Okay. But they have. You know. They might get a plaque on the car to park in a certain spot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know these people? Yeah. yeah. They're great. Love them. The backbone of society. Um, so there's this guy, and he has an obsession with sweaters, and he just so happened to, like, <laughs> yeah, he just so happened, like, I would say. 11 sweater? <laughs> Wait. Like April of 2001, he was gifted a Twin Towers knitted sweater. (laughs) And he wears it all the time. He's like, like, I know this might seem inappropriate, but I really like this sweater. And I got it before 9-11. You have to retire it, buddy. You gotta retire it. No, I say wear it because never forget, dog. You know what he never does? He never forgets. So anyway, look him he up. He might look not be able story. to remember. Like he might have issues with. He may have no. A TV he guy, remembers. Man. He remembers. He yeah, because he has a sweater to remind him. <laughs> Check him out, though. He's tight. Um, but anyway, so like, yeah, I'm typing you a message. It's not appropriate to say out loud. <laughs> Phil said this bullshit. It was like really fucking mean, horrible shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think the sun makes it look questionable. I think there's a sun in the knitted. <gasps> of, yeah, and it looks like it's. Look, oh. I'll have to. I'll send okay. it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Phil was saying this bullshit, but like years later, Vinny got a hold of the recording and was like, "Nope, Phil was actually right. This was totally misquoted." So I didn't want to keep. I didn't want to put it in here because it's like it, it's crush drama. But know that like. The shit that he said was so fucking egregious about Dimebag that like people use it as a reason as to why shit happened the way it did later on. The, vi- the violence that happened. Um, I want to fucking know what it was. I want to know well, what he said. He s- literally said someone needs to beat the fucking shit out of him. Like to death. Dimebag. It's insane. So, yeah. But if you think a band breaking up would take the Abbott brothers out of playing music, you clearly haven't been paying fucking attention. Enter the scene, a band called Damage Plan. But 
Before we dive into the brothers' new music adventure, I need to introduce you to someone else. Enter Nathan Gale. Nathan Gale was born on September 11th, 1979. Bro! I know, it's all connected. The synchronicities don't stop here. In Marysville, Ohio. He was a wrestler in high school and studied construction and electrical work. He lived with his mom after graduation, working a variety of minimum wage jobs and developing a bit of a substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. Because Nathan, his birthday. Yeah, in the, in the future, he knew something was going to happen. Um, Nathan often complained of being watched and stalked okay. by people who weren't there. He's gang stalked. They could have been there. But his mom said, his mom, Mary Clark, just said this was probably due to his drug use. Mm. Um, Friends of Nathan would say this was previous to his drug use. Like, throughout elementary school, middle school, like, all growing up, he was, like, not well. Okay, so he's just born a little, little touched. Well, you'll find out what he has in a second. Nathan and because baby 911 comes back, I tell you what. Nathan ended up getting violent with his mom, resulting in an arrest, him being kicked out, and him panhandling on the street. He was allowed back into the home after going through rehab. His criminal record wasn't anything crazy, some trespassing charges, skateboarding, and an alleged theft at work. Yeah, it's not that bad. After the 911 attacks, Nathan, like 181,510 other Americans mm. joined the active duty military. Dude. He chose to enlist in the Marine Corps. And you know what? I bet he fucking thrived. Yep. Baby, wait. Give me I didn't seconds. even read ahead. I just feel okay, like Okay, don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. I won't. As a gift for... Ca- I need you to remember the sentence. As a gift for completing basic training, his mom would give him a Beretta pistol as a Christmas present. Dude, I don't... His mom's re- fucking dumb. If someone beats that. you up, yeah, if someone beats you up, mm-hmm. you don't give them a gun. Yeah, also, if, you're, if your son is like, hey, mom, people are watching me uh, constantly, and I can't sleep because I think people are watching me, and then she's like, but where? And he points and there's nothing. I wouldn't be like, here you go, baby, here's a gun. Yeah, I would make be sure like, you put a ghost bullets in it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. He was stationed in North Carolina with the 2nd Marine Division until November 2003. Less than halfway through the typical four-year enlistment period, he had been discharged due to a paranoid schizophrenia diagnosis. Ah, uh, so he didn't thrive. He got discharged. Okay. Yep. I thought and he would do great, honestly. I mean, he would have if he, like, kept the medication and treatment. They were willing to keep him of course in they the fucking military were. if he just kept medication and going to therapy. Um, but he didn't. Uh, and also, it was never the drugs. It was always schizophrenia, mom. I just want to say, too, like, my sister mentioned this. She was in the Army, though, around this time. Uh, she served with someone who had full-on epilepsy. And it's not saying anything against paranoid schizophrenia or epilepsy. But I don't know why they let um, debilitating type of disorders like that into the fucking military. Like what if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you don't have access to your medication? Like I thought you had to get screened for that stuff so that you're not a danger to yourself and or others. If you're like this fucking guy who we know isn't going to do anything good in his future, 
He hasn't yeah. done anything good in his past. Like Dr. Yeah, Phil true. says, the best it's indicator true. of future behavior is present and past behavior. Fucking Dr. Phil. Quote that from a doctor. I hate that you, hate that you just quoted Dr. I'm Phil. I'm about, I don't know why I remember that. I think I. <laughs> yeah, you've got a mental problem. But That's you know why. what? Soon we're going to have the same doctoral accolades. His doctorate means nothing, and mine soon in cryptozoology will mean nothing. And I hope <laughs> that is true. You respect. both will have pretend degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he was discharged. He returned with medication, but he declined additional treatment after returning home. Typical. After his discharge, the Department of Veteran Affairs found him a job as a mechanic, and he informed his employer of his condition. They were like, that's fine. You're cool. Whatever. Yeah, it seems fine. Standing 6'3 and weighing 266 pounds, Nate decided to take up boxing and football after his discharge. Well, he's going to become a little more more dangerous. Oh, this guy fucking looks like. He yeah. looks how he sounds. He's a brick shit house. Nothing like a little uh, traumatic brain injury to add to your schizophrenia. That always helps. Oh, this guy looks like he fucking sucks. <laughs> he does, dude. He does. He's the oh worst dude God. I know. He oh. joined the Lima Thunder, a semi-professional football team in Northwest Ohio as an offensive lineman and would listen to Pantera before games. He was a lifelong fan of heavy metal and became obsessed with Pantera when he was in high school and remained an avid fan. Nate's former friend, Dave Johnson, recounted a story of Nate showing up at a mutual friend's house with written out Pantera lyrics that he claimed were his own. Nate asserted that Pantera had stolen lyrics from him and were attempting to steal his identity. Nate's friends began to distance themselves from him as his behavior became increasingly erratic. Once, he told his former friend, Mark Brake, that God was asking him to kill Marilyn Manson. I mean, that's just a standard ass from God at this point. I, I, gotta know. Go. <laughs> I know. I was like, which honestly, after that's fine. And um, how would you describe what Nathan Gale looks like? Because I have a very particular description. Um, he looks like, you know, the bully from Back to the Future? He looks like him, but on more steroids. So my impression, and I knew this kid. I've known kids like this growing up, and I've known kids like this in the comic store. He looks like he wears sweatpants. And I want to say, let me add the story. (laughs) He looks like he wears oversized sweatpants specifically because he doesn't know how to fucking poop, and he doesn't know how to fucking wipe, so he has to wear the sweatpants to hide the smell and the stainage that comes through his pants. And I know specific so right. people. That's what he You're fucking so looks right. like. He looks You're like a so person right. who wears sweatpants to hide the fact that he shits his pants. You're so right. I did. You're 100%. And yeah. yeah, and he also just, I don't yeah. like how his eyebrow hangs over his eyes so much. I don't like anything about him. We'll be real. Um, but yeah, he, he absolutely is a man who wears oversized sweatpants because he doesn't know how to wipe his own ass. You're so right about that. Um, So others noted that he would talk and laugh to himself, would pretend to hold and pet an imaginary dog, and he would often bother customers at the tattoo shop across the street from his apartment that he lived in alone. He would just sit and stare at them, at clients, (laughs) just through the window, just stare. 
Yeah. Or would argue with them about heavy metal music. Yeah, this we all know this type of person who just argues with you about music. Yeah. Name every song. Yeah. Then what's your favorite album? Um, so let's get back to damage plan. Okay. Daryl was quoted saying the end of Pantera was like having everything he had worked for ripped out from under him. The brothers knew trying to continue Pantera without Phil would just result in years of bullshit litigation. Once again, fuck Phil. Vinny and Daryl started Damage Plan. Originally named Newfound Power, they decided to do a little swap for the names. So they decided to stick with Damage Plan for the name of the band and giving the first album the name of Newfound Power which came out with a fairly modest release on February 10th, 2004. The band planned to tour most of that year, hoping to rebuild its fan base. The tour was pretty par for the course, except for an incident on April 8th, when a Pantera fan named Nathan Gale, dude, fucking nerd, interrupted a damage plan performance in Cincinnati jumping onto the stage and causing $1,800 worth of damage to lighting and stage equipment. Damage Plan decided not to press charges because they didn't want to interrupt the tour to come back for court. True professionals. Right? But guitarist Patrick Lickman yelled on stage at the time, quote, I'd like to introduce you to the fifth member of the fucking band. They handled it like rock stars. This guy's a fucking nerd, though. Like... It's just, he's the kid who plays tag at recess the whole fucking time, and then he gets tagged, and then he doesn't want to play anymore. That's this fucking guy. Yeah, he's the worst dude you know. He's the worst dude you know. Oh my god. And I wish that was the only connection Nate had to the band. This silly weird instance where he tussled with cops at a damage plan show and ended with a funny quote. But unfortunately, that's not why we're here. See, Nate wasn't there as a fan. Nate was out of his mind. He took Pantera's split as a personal attack on himself. His delusions, mixed with his obsession, became fucking lethal. On Dude, December eighth, what? I just I fucking don't. hate. I keep looking at his face, no. and if I, you turn it sideways, his eyebrows go over his eyes so much that if you turn him sideways, he just looked like a butt crack. I don't know what to do. I have to he minimize is. his picture. <laughs> he has a butt crack. Don't look at him. That's like I'm a trying fucking to stop. bad omen. I'm well. He's staring at me through his like little anus face. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I have to close the picture. Yeah, I sent it to you in a message though, and I can't. I don't want to see it. I okay, don't well, see him. fucking sorry. It's there now. I don't know. I can't get rid of it. He's gonna become a fucking tulpa. So. Oh no! Don't everybody <laughs> stop thinking about it. Think about nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Think about Phil being a piece of fucking shit. Oh man. Okay. So it's about to get not fun, and I'm sorry, everyone. On December 8th, 2004, Damage Plan was playing a show at the Alarosa Villa nightclub in Columbus, Ohio. Nate drove out to the show that night, circled the parking lot for hours, asking security multiple times if Diamond Vinny were on the tour bus or inside. At 10.15 p.m., Nathan jumped over a wooden fence between him and the side entrance of the club. Nathan started running as soon as he as soon as he jumped the fence, because he saw that security who saw him jump the fucking fence were now following him. Damage plan was just taking the stage when Nathan went straight up to the middle of it. Remember, he's a big ass 6'3", almost 300 pound linebacker. 
He was up to the front within a moment, bulldozing people out of his way. Before security could even reach him, he pulled out that Beretta 9mm pistol his mom gifted him, grabbed Daryl in a headlock, and fired two direct shots into the back of his head and three to his body. Dimebag fell forward onto the floor. Stagehand Aaron Hulk and security guard Jeff Thompson were also fatally shot as they attempted to rush the stage and take Nate out with a wooden table. Nathan Bray, a fan in the crowd, was trying to administer CPR to Daryl when he stopped and looked towards Nathan Gale and said, What the fuck, dude? He was then also fatally shot. Nathan fired a total of 15 shots, taking time to reload every single one, remaining silent throughout the shooting. It's fucking terrible. Like, the closeness, too. Like, I feel like in America specifically, we're so used to gun violence because it's Mm -hmm. just usually someone firing into a crowd. But there's also another particular amount of horror where it's, like, literally hands-on, right? Like, he had him in a headlock and was just in there. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he bulldozed his way up, it was, there was no element of surprise here in the sense that like, they wouldn't know that there was something fucked up going on. And you have to think that they recognized him from the last show. So they're like, Oh, here's this fucking guy again. So they're going to, they had to have been on edge at least a little bit. And then to see your brother taken out, like right in front of you, like when you've been best friends your whole life, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And I think there's a level of like, People rush this rush the stage even now to like stage dive and shit like this. Mm-hmm. I will say after the murder of Dimebag, um, the culture around like jumping off the stage and all that shit at metal shows just kind of like mm-hmm. stopped altogether. Um, what God? What was his name? There's a really famous um, fucking singer, and he was like. After this, he was like, get the fuck off the stage. I don't fucking care if you're a fan. Get the fuck off the stage. Like, don't come anywhere near. Um, but there's that that level of, like, maybe they recognized him from the, the other show incident. Or maybe they were just like, here comes a fucking crazy fan going to do a fucking stage dive, you know? Yeah. Also, the thing that gets me is, like, when Dimebag fell forward and he was he was instantly pronounced dead. But that one fan trying to give him CPR and like knowing it's not working and then just looking up and seeing the dude who just did it and just being like, what the fuck? And then as yeah. that last word leaves your mouth, you get hit with a fucking fatal bullet. It's just it's nightmare shit. It's absolutely nightmare shit. It's that it's those one on one situations is that targeted. Yeah. Looking you dead in the eye before they fucking take you out. That's just next level dark. Yeah. I think I think I did hear about the person. I think it, I want to say it was like Lamb of God who wouldn't let people rush the stage anymore. Um, Rollins, dude, so Henry Rollins, Henry Rollins was the guy I was talking about. That after this, he was uh, like, "Get the yeah. fuck off the stage." Um, police officer James, I'm not even going to pronounce his last name, entered through a back door holding a 12 gauge shotgun. I wanted you to say his last name, but I understand why you didn't. It has the N-word in it, so I'm not. I was wondering. I was like, what the fuck? How is she going to get around this? Not You're not even it. allowed to say it. No, yeah, I'm, it's good. I'm glad it. you didn't. I was hoping Thank you, you wouldn't. I, th- I don't want to say I was excited to hear it. I was just curious how you were going to approach it. Yeah, just not do it. Yeah. Um, look it up if you want to know. Uh, 
He stepped out from behind Vinny's drums and fired a shot at Nathan, killing him instantly. I mean, good job, dude. But that was just a little too late. Like, I, you want to know the crazy thing is like, so this cop, he had to go on trial for using deadly force. Are you serious? Yeah, he was, um, they didn't charge him and he was like given awards and shit. Even America's Most Wanted, he was on like their contenders for like hero of the year or something like that. Yeah. um, and he deserved it, but it's so crazy that he had to go on on trial for it. On for what I would say is one of the very few justified yeah. police killings. I know. I'm almost like I'm curious how he didn't fire off a shot sooner. It it all had to have happened so fucking. Fast. It happened so quick, and he was like reacting as fast as he could. Yeah, as a um, cop, I would think your reaction would be faster than the general public, but also like that's just you just don't expect that shit. Ever, I'm also not sure if he was inside the venue. He was outside the venue. Oh, he was under through in. a back door. I see. Yeah. He shot him with a 12 gauge too. Yeah, Dude, which is, I bet he turned him into a canoe. That's the only thing that brings me peace is knowing that like, you know, Nathan turned around because at this yeah. point, I left this out of here, but Nathan had a hostage at this point. He was, like, grappling with someone, mm-hmm. and the hostage moved to the side for a split second, and that's when the cop took his shot with that 12 they And they, put, his, they put him on trial. That's yeah. insane. Like, yeah. you get a justified shooting, finally. Um, yeah, because everyone was like, if that cop hadn't taken that shot at that time, who's to say how many other victims there would have been? I'd like to imagine that he shot it from, like, the fucking hip. And he said just, something. Yeah, like, right between his legs. Like, yeah. it was his dick. And he was just See like... See you like, in hell. Yeah. Fucking nerd. And then just, I, yeah. I dream about that. I dream that fucking Nathan looked up, looked that cop in the eye, looked the barrel of that shotgun in the eye, and then had his yeah. fucking brains blown the fuck out through the back of his head. And peed his pants, but no one could tell because he was wearing oversized sweatpants. <laughs> Yeah, he was wearing a jersey when this happened. Um, of course but- he was. Oh, my God. He was one of those dudes who wore a jersey with jean pants, which, like, just out and about. And I don't know why I don't like that aesthetic, but I just don't. Yeah, he's a piece of Plus- shit. Okay, yeah. I so. Hate- oh, I hate him. He, ki- he killed him. Good. In total, five people died and two people were left wounded. Mary Clark, Nathan's mom, said, quote, Nothing I say about him is going to erase what happened in the end. I'm sorry for what happened, and I'm sorry for those people who were killed, but I lost a son, too. Yeah, no I shit, fucking hate Mary. that quote. I, hate, I fucking it hate fine. that quote. It would have been fine if she left off, but I lost a son, too. Fuck your son, dude. <clears throat> Fuck yeah, your son. At if, that I, point, if you hadn't lost him, I would yeah. have hoped that you would. At that point, you just got to fucking take the W. And be like, I'm so sorry for what happened. I know you my take sorry the L? erase it. <laughs> I mean, she was lucky that he, you know, um, yeah. I'm not going to count him losing as a loss. Uh, but yeah, yeah, take the L yeah, and just be like, if she would have left off, but I lost a son too. Like, what were you losing, Mary? A murderer? Fuck like, you, Mary. A kid who was violent and shitty? Yeah, that your son who beat the shit out of you and then took the gun that you gave him and killed a bunch of people? Fuck your son and fuck you too, Mary. If yeah, you're still fuck alive, you, Mary. Fuck you, Mary. Let's Google um, it. She's Mary. probably not. If she is, fuck you, Mary. Someone to send this to her. Fuck your son, Mary. Fuck you, you little bitch ass hoe. Fuck your shit. Fuck your shit, Mary. Um, but anyway, after the shooting, dude, she please, might be alive. Let's fucking find her. 
Ja, und das <lacht> <lacht> he was only 25 when he died and that was 17 years ago. She's yeah. so alive. She's alive. She has I'm to be tell alive. Her, Mary Clark, suck my ass, you pussy ass bitch. Fuck your son. I, I wish he would come back alive just so he could get killed again and you would relive that purgatory over and over. Yeah, and his jeans clearly weren't good. <laughs> I don't want to like make fun of anyone. But, but he I looks will. he doesn't look right, Mary. Yeah, she probably looks busted yeah, as Yeah, you probably stood in front of the microwave <laughs> a little too long when he was cooking. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Put her head in it and turned it off. <laughs> oh shit. So anyway, we can make fun of her because uh she defended her murderer son who killed Dimebag Daryl, so fuck her. Yeah. I hope she's in a retirement home and no one visits her. After the shooting Police officers found two handwritten notes inside of Nate's apartment. One read, quote, You'll see, come alive. I'll take your life and make it mine. This is my life. I'm gone. Get me. The other read, You'll see this guy fall. I'll make pigs fly. Come on and give me some. Come on, give me some. Do it and die. Do it and die. So clearly he was not a poet. I don't know why he thought Pantera was stealing his lyrics when he can't even write. This is just, yeah. Ah, I know the thing that's like frustrating is everyone knows this guy. Everyone knows this kid. And it's, they're always like weirdly violent and they get mm-hmm. mad and you have to tread carefully. Everybody knows this guy. I feel like he also abused animals. I just like get that vibe. He I feel like the bed and he abused yeah. animals. I get the I don't get that like he tortured animals, but I get that like he would get mad and then kick the dog to like reclaim masculinity. Like that's I the think vibe I get from him. Animals. And then I well, and I also get like the vibe that he like threw rocks at cats. But I don't get like that he like yeah. fires. I think he's too dumb to understand. Yeah. He doesn't know how to light a fire. fire. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. You're so right about that. He definitely yeah. threw rocks at cats, but couldn't get a match to light for sure. Yeah, like he would try to do it in the wind and then he would get mad and then like go shadow box a tree. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't yeah. understand. What an idiot. So true. An autopsy performed by the Franklin County Coroner's Office found no trace of drugs in Nate's system, prescription or otherwise, showing that he was and had been completely unmedicated for his schizophrenia. Dimebag Daryl was buried in Arlington, Texas, next to his mom in a casket gifted by Gene Simmons. The casket adorned with the band Kiss. At his funeral, Eddie Van Halen laid his signature black and yellow striped guitar in Daryl's casket to be buried with him, stating, Dime was an original, and only an original deserves the original. Give me goosebumps, bitch. I know it. It's good. One of the first artists to create a musical tribute to Daryl was Black Label Society, whose music video for In the River depicts singer Zach Wilde and Dimebag as children, attempting to swim across the river while Wilde survives, Dime does not. Typo Negative, who were close friends with Daryl, waited until 2007 to release the track Halloween in Heaven off of the album Dead Again. Peter Steele told MTV, quote, I didn't want to exploit Daryl's name because it was just too soon after his death. Other tribute songs include Dimes in Heaven by Brides of Destruction and Dimebag by Cross Canadian Ragweed, while, in two- while the 2005 album 10,000 Fists by Disturb, Life's Blood for the Downtrodden by Crowbar, and Start a War by Static X were all dedicated to Dimebag Daryl's memory. 
Dimebag was 38 when he was killed, and it seems as though Damage Plan died along with him. Vinny joined the band Hell Yeah and performed until his death in 2018. Dude, just what happened to their dad? Just he's alive and lonely? I don't know. I don't know if he died or not, but... It's so fucking sad. Yeah. Pure and tragedy. that is the murder of Pantera's Dimebag Daryl. Dude, and it all for nothing, man. Someone who could have... And the thing that's extra shitty is him having issues up into the military. Um, sad. After the military, he had the means to mm-hmm. be medicated and be treated. And he just chose not to. And essentially yeah. his mom... Actually, not even essentially. His mom literally gave him a loaded gun so that yeah. he could go off and cause mayhem. His mom literally gave him a loaded gun, and then his mom also enabled him by not um, admitting and like supporting his health after he was given a diagnosis. Um, I think that is a big red flag as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't blame parents. Um, in shootings or things like this, but when it's such a blaring red flag of just lack of accountability where this mom could have stepped up and not only saved her son, but saved other people as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I hope that she doesn't get a good night of sleep ever because she carries the weight of this. And I will Um, say their father definitely still carries the weight of it because Jerry Abbott is still alive. He is 80 years old. Wow. Actually, he just had a birthday, April 8th. Oh, happy birthday. He was a good dad. He was a good dude. Yeah. Um, and his whole family's dead. Yep. All of them. Um, it's one of those mental illness is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yep. And the fact that both Nate and his mom didn't want to take responsibility or accountability, um, I blame them heavily for what happened. And by heavily, I mean almost exclusively. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. All because of 9 11. literally though so so many ties to 9-11 but yeah I still you know I still think Phil is a fucking asshole Um, I know that after Dimebag's death he tried to come out and mend a lot of bridges with Vinny and I think Vinny accepted a lot of apologies but guess what I won't do except those so fuck you Phil yeah Vinny had that's not Vinny's weight that's not his burden to carry you know some things you just can't lift on your own and Vinny couldn't carry all that shit so he had to put something down and he put Phil down but Phil I'm strong mm-hmm. and I'm petty mm-hmm. and I can be mad forever and I'll I will die mad, mad. I will die yeah. mad I, I'm every single day is a beautiful day to wake up and be a fucking hater but yeah. I will always wake up and choose to hate Phil yeah same so oh my god I'm getting so many merch ideas so every day is a beautiful <laughs> day to wake up and be a hater <laughs> Um, fuck you, Phil. Like, I'll die mad. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me open this up. Good you thing do, this is all we, recorded. We have I was like, how am I ever going to remember this? Every day is a beautiful day to wake up and be a hater. Because I say that, like, every day. Yeah. I think I even Let's tweeted it. it the other day. Like, God, I hope. Ty said he's going to listen to this episode because he's super into it. But, like, there's this girl who, like, breaks her ankles to, like, comment on all of his shit. And I was like, Who's her? And he was like, literally no one chill. And I was like, you know Who what? Who is she? I can't chill because guess what I do? I wake up every day and I choose to be a hater. I wake up and I choose it. I drink it like with orange juice. I mm, take it down like a fucking vitamin C mm. pill in the morning. That is my multivitamin. I put it in my goblet and I fucking drink it until mm-hmm. I'm drunk. 
I, fucking you know, hater, baby. I am so sick of toxic positivity. I'm so fucking sick of that. Fuck the era of toxic positivity. Fuck being positive. It's time to be a full-blown fucking hater. We are fully entering our villain eras. This is oh, the hater it. arc. Dude, I was thinking about that earlier. Like, I was walking Puffin yesterday, and I was just like, it started with, like, if a hobo g- jumps out and attacks me, I'm going to have to fucking fight him. But then those mm-hmm. violent thoughts went through on people <laughs> that I just have beef with in real yeah. life. And I was like... Should I get over this shit? This happened years ago. No. And part of me was like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to, because if I would have let shit go, then my ancestors and my lineage would have died in the caves, man. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to fucking think saber tooth cats are cute. You would have yeah. wiped out my entire bloodline. No, You're bitch. Right about that. You want to know no. what I've been doing? I've been fucking sharpening my spear and I'm getting ready to go into battle. I have a spear and an arrow and I'm going to fuck you up. Bro, I feel you. I'm, I'm yeah. sharpening my sword. I was fucking yeah. walking down the stairs, okay? I was walking down the stairs. I ordered very expensive- Oh, you went to battle food. today. You did. Oh, my God. I ordered very fucking expensive vegan food from a very expensive vegan place. But I was like, baby, you deserve it. You just got out of the desert where you were eating crackers and dirt. Like, you deserve it. So mm-hmm. I finally did it. I'm walking down the stairs. I see my DoorDash bag on, like, right in front of the door. I'm walking down. I, I look. bet the sun was hitting it perfectly. Probably. It was glittering. There were bubbles. Yeah. There was, like, angels, like, singing in the background. Yeah. A crackhead walks by, looks at the bag, looks at me. We make eye contact. I say out loud, don't you dare, you motherfucker. <laughs> and he <laughs> grabs you it. And runs and he takes the fuck off like you saying motherfucking bolt. So then here I am in my Birkenstocks. I flip those bitches off and I'm running. <laughs> I'm out the door. I'm like, I'm a few paces behind him. I'm like, you fucking drop that food right now, you motherfucker. And we're like down two blocks. Literally, I'm sprinting my ass. I can't believe off. you got outrun by a crackhead. He jumped a fence, and you know that's where I draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> he, he jumped a fence and went behind some, like, peace and love right now. I'm about to get a little, like, problematic. He went behind this, like, uh, these storage containers that's, like, a homeless camp. And I was yeah. like, it's about to be me versus, like, 12 crackheads. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you kicking off your flip-flops like Matt Riddle in WWE, <laughs> and I'm going to show you what i mean because i refuse to believe it was anything else it Um, was it was like a cartoon i was and then i immediately (laughs) was like i can't like i can't go back into their tent camp and be like give me my fucking mac and cheese (laughs) so i went back i went back and uh walked up walk of shame back up to the apartment and no shoes on no shoes ty was half asleep on the couch he goes he has the audacity to go where's your food (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and I go, and I'm out of breath, dude. I'm out of breath, and I'm like, <gasps> a crackhead. You got to slit his throat, yeah. A crackhead took it. A crackhead took it. I chase him. Yeah, that's how. That's oh exactly. That's exactly how I fucking. Both my feet, both my feet went straight out in front of me, and I just starfished, and they went off, and I took off. <laughs> I, want, exactly I don't want to add insult to injury. But we've had a bet going on with your partner for a while that you can sprint for like 10 miles. But if you can't outrun a crackhead, I think you need to train just a little I, bit more. So you I was getting close out, but he jumped the fence what, behind yeah. like the, the fucking commune of them. What am I going to do? I'm going to go get jumped? Yeah, you're mac right. And cheese? No, you're right. You're right. When you're so, right, you're right. If he was out there with me, maybe we could have taken them all. 
Yeah, but yeah. Ty's got long ass legs. He slipped gonna, through when you needed him the most. I've got to blame him for this somehow. You can blame him. So, that's fine. Anyway, and I, I remember this crackhead's face. It's burned into my fucking irises, you know. So, and every yeah. day I wake up a hater. Every day I wake up and I go, if I see that, if I, I'm jumping out of my car and I'm jumping him, I'm gonna yeah. jump this man. I'm gonna jump him. You so, just let me know. Okay, deal. You point him out. Um, and also, everyone here, if you find out that I jumped a crackhead, you shut your fucking snitch-ass mouth. You yeah. shut your fucking snitch-ass mouth. You didn't hear nothing. You didn't see nothing. You didn't say nothing. Yeah, you want to know who would have who would fucking tattletale? Phil would. sister? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking Becca. She, that's exactly what happened. He was like, who's her friend? And then immediately, like, what a fucking snitch. I know it, dude. I'm going to have to cut her. You should slice her ass up. You should, you You know, between ASAP Rocky getting snitched on by someone in his crew. I just know that, you know, these motherfuckers out here with loose lips. So dude, I real one. be a real one. Everyone listening right now, be a fucking real one. I can't, I can't. Ooh, fucking Phil was dumb, but you got to be dumb to cheat on like, Pregnant Rihanna. Oh, That's not even I'll cheating. Say. Not even cheating, dude. He just got arrested yesterday because he did someone, for shooting. Yeah, for one of his fucking friends <gasps> and his crew fucking snitched on I him. I thought we were talking about. I saw that before we started yeah. recording. I thought you were talking about him cheating. Rihanna's about Rihanna. to give birth any day. And He's having a bad day. Not, yeah, I know. But anyway, um, speaking of bad days, one way that you cannot have a bad day is to go to the link tree in any of our bios. I'm at Noelle Fain. That's at Sithlard or at Go to Hell Podcast, where you can get links to our merch, where we still have the Protect Trans Kids shirt going up, where 100% of the proceeds go to um, helping bring awareness to anti-trans legislation so we can help fight it, know what's happening, and protect these fucking kids from all these weird-ass fucking Republican senators. Yeah, you gotta uh, stop you, worrying about genitalia of children, my dudes. That's what I'm fucking saying. So weird. So you can you can get that. You can get our wanted apostate enemy of the state new design. Um, you can also in that link tree bio find links to Kelly Holloran or Wild Wood Owl on Etsy. Her Etsy page with our stickers, pin, bandana, and of course her cool fucking merch and art that she does, unrelated to us. It is just genuinely cool. You can also find a link to our Patreon. A dollar gets you in. Secret special episodes every week. Don't fucking tell anyone what you hear on that shit. I'll cut you myself. That'll that'll come for free. You won't even have to pay for that. Um, you can also find links to our Discord, our private Facebook group, um, our Twitter account, and places to fucking listen to us, which shouldn't be a problem since you're listening to us right now. But anyway, check all that shit out. Um, and today, like all days, and most importantly, hail Satan. Yeah, hail Dimebag. Hail also, brothers. Hail Dimebag. Hail the Abbott brothers. True homies till the end, man. Yeah, and hail their good-ass parents. Hail their good parents, and fuck Phil. Yeah, fuck you, Phil. We're gonna know. I'm gonna think of a way to say fuck you, Phil. Or okay. like, blaming 9-11 is for cucks or something on this episode. <laughs> I'll talk about it. So out of context, you're just like, hello, what? (laughs) What? It was like, this is a Pantera episode of the world. (laughs) I wanted to be as taken by surprise as I was when you brought up 9-11 in the middle of the thing. It happened a few times. Of course, I was was just surprised. We got to, yeah, all right. 
拜拜。拜拜。<笑>